With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Thanks for listening and being a part of The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. I hope you're well. I'm fighting fit. I'm much better now than I was 24 hours ago, as you may know, because I was still in mourning after that absolutely catastrophic loss in the Super Bowl. Uh, The grief has finally subsided. It won't go forever, but it's majorly subsided. I'm kind of over it. One of my children said, get over it, Dad. And that sort of kind of got it out of me. I realised I was being stupid. I did find my 49ers cap that I threw off the balcony just with 10 seconds to go, as I could tell that the Chiefs were in on the far side. Uh, I have returned that cap. It's in a safe place, a little dirty, but it's okay. And um, if I see another clip of the Chiefs celebrating, I will throw the television over the same balcony. That's all. Enough said. In this edition... What was the thing that grated you the most about the Super Bowl? Was there something that you thought to yourself, they're kidding, aren't they? Well, it was something that grated with me, and I'll tell you all about it. It happened at half time, so woke, so divisive. It happened for the third year, and it's not on. I'll get to that very shortly. My special guest today is real-time video journalist Corinne Clifford is always great value. She is back on our program. We'll talk about the likelihood that District Attorney Fanny Willis may be disqualified, according to reports today, from the Donald Trump racketeering case. And therefore, if that is to happen, what does that mean for the charges? Does the case go ahead at all? Uh, we'll discuss some of the latest news regarding the January 6 prisoners. And the push is on from Kamala Harris to take over the reins of the White House. Don't laugh. Stop it. Stop laughing. That's what she does. She giggles. She has her word salads. We understand that, but come on, be kind. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine her leading the country? Dear, oh dear, surely not. But the push is on. There are articles being written around the place after being I guess, pushed by certain lobbyists within her crew, and it's on, you can tell, and it's happened, of course, after Friday, after the report came down and said that uh, President Biden was too senile to stand trial, but he's not too senile to run the United States of America. I still can't work that out. Can you? Um, We'll be hearing from fiery Australian Senator Holly Hughes today, and there's lots to talk about, including a law that I noticed that the politicians are very happy about because uh, this doxing law prevents people from grabbing private information and putting it online, exposing people. And the latest case in Australia was a case of anti-Semitism. I won't go into the details. We discussed it briefly with Mark Latham on the program yesterday. But this is what they're trying to stop. Now, I'm all quite happy that private information is not shared publicly, but most of the information that I can see earmarked for banning, that is distributing, I notice is public anyway. Now, if you've got public information that has been displayed on some website or WhatsApp group, why can't I grab it and use it to make a point? Now, sometimes those points mightn't be savoury. They might upset people. So what? 
That's what free speech is all about. We've got to be careful about how far this goes because you know how they do it. They love to stop free speech so they can control us, so that they can actually stop you disagreeing with their narrative, disagreeing with their policies. That's how governments do it. Um, now, that's one issue we'll take up with Holly and a few others as well. The newsman of Sydney, Jason Morrison, my former colleague at 2GB for many years, is on the program today. We'll be wrestling with why Australians need to pay close attention to the US election. I think it's obvious, but there are, are Australians who don't pay any attention at all to the US election until the day after the poll. True. Um, so we'll talk about that. And there are transgender activists who keep pushing for more. Don't they do this everywhere, not just in Australia, but there's a case in Bendigo in the centre of the state of Victoria that I want to raise with you today. And it's about trying to get taxpayer grants to investigate uh, transitioning for their transgender group access to our funds now to uh, play their game. Will this crap ever stop? You'd hope so. Uh, so we've got that. And we've got a whole heap more that I do want to squeeze in, including your calls on the talkback lines. This is the place to have your say. This is the place where your say has no ceiling on its opinion. You can go for your life right here on TNT, and you can do so from the UK on 033-0024-1026, from the US or Canada, 1-888-201-6425, and from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Let's get this party started. You're with Chris Smith broadcasting live on the global news talk network, TNT. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Well, how often do you see this blind obsession to fly the flag for various minority groups go completely overboard? You see it all the time. Um, and I'm just trying to think of examples that we've spoken about on the program. We've spoken about heaps like, um, you know, giving transgender women, biological men, all the rights that biological women deserve. And that's a case of supporting transgender people, as we, I think, should do. But then you go overboard and you treat these biological men as women. No. Um what about when police and district attorneys decide to give the green light to rioting black youths? Haven't we seen some examples of that in the US in the last few years? But of course, when the same happens to a white group, they get arrested and they get a decent jail sentence. And it happens. Look, I could go on and talk more, but you understand what I mean. It's when we try and go into bat for minority groups and we go right over the top. We obsess about it to the detriment of others. Well, it's happened again, and it happened last night in Las Vegas when the NFL, in their infinite wisdom, decided to run their own Black Rights Matter campaign again by allocating primetime attention again to what's become known as the Black National Anthem. I wish they wouldn't call it that because it's not. But as an Australian looking on, and I look at the Super Bowl as I have done for you know, probably 50 years of my life, and I look up to it. I see it as a, an example of how power and influence and football can unite a nation, and there's no politics. Well, we know that's changed in recent years. We know that the ads that are played during the Super Bowl have become all bland and unoffensive. Well, you can't do that. You can't offend people. 
Um, but you know that there's a great divide between black and white. And the last thing you want to do is divide people more. But what I saw last night did divide people. And I know that corporations want to do it and sports associations, they want to fly the flag for minorities and show that they can virtue signal among the best best of them. So there we were stocking up on drinks and food at halftime and up comes singer Andra Day. Great voice, by the way, nothing against Andra Day. But she performed a black hymn again as part of the formalities. Now I thought, hang on, who's died? That's how slow it was. It was supposed to be a party atmosphere. Was this a tribute to some of the game's greats or legends that were lost in 2023? No, no, no. It was the same old, the same song, Lift Every Voice and Sing, which stood out like the proverbial because the NFL wanted to counter the lingering perception of white bias to fly the flag for black America. Now, doesn't America already have a national anthem? I'm nearly sure I remember what it is. You know, the one the entire world recognises and, you know, represents everyone who lives and is a citizen of the USA. No, no, no. We need to have a black national anthem, apparently, to represent people with a darker pigment. And up it came. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and Great voice. That's not the beef. Probably a pretty good song, although not kind of found at half time in the biggest party in the world in Las Vegas. However, but I'm sorry, it does not belong at the Super Bowl. That event needs to bring Americans together, as it always has. It has the power and the reach to do that. And it shouldn't be there. We shouldn't have something at the Super Bowl that pushes people apart. But that's what a racist anthem does. And it is racist. It's being sung based on colour. Um, it's a hymn used yesterday to imply that there is a separate nation for black Americans. Do we need to do that? Just what the country does not need, I would have thought. Uh, one of the most ardent critics of the stunt was journalist and podcaster Megan Kelly, uh, she was not impressed. I am sick of this. It's not necessary. It's, to me, played in this context, it's divisive. There's one national anthem for all yes. of us, every American. There is no point, and actually, it's really a middle finger to the country and to those of us who love each other, irrespective of skin color, to try to divide us by race when we get to anthems at the Super Bowl. I'd love to take your calls on this right away. What are your thoughts? Does it divide people based on race? I believe it does. If you concur and you don't want it played at the next Super Bowl, you call in on those talkback numbers and let us know. Um, of course, this is not brand new. As I said again and again, this woke addition to the Super Bowl, it was introduced back in 2020 after all of those ugly protests following the death of George Floyd. But the fact is a black anthem divides a nation. It segregates its people. It says that you are a colour and you are another colour, when most of those people don't recognise that. It's not a predominant thought in people's minds. It empowers on racial grounds. And there's no sense in any of that. That's not what the country wants, not what the country needs. Didn't America have a civil war to get rid of two flags, to get rid of Two anthems to unite the country with one anthem, one flag. I thought they did. 
What's the Latino national anthem? Maybe that should be played. I don't know whether we could find a song for Latinos or the Chinese anthem. Maybe we need to play that now. The European anthem, possibly. It's just BS. In Australia, the same kind of garbage goes on. This eagerness to appease minority groups to the detriment of the rest of the population. It's even more glaring in Australia. Sydney's iconic Sydney Harbour Bridge. Well, it used to have two flags flying at the top of the arch. It used to be the Australian flag and the New South Wales state flag. But recently, the New South Wales flag has been ditched. I don't even know where it is now. And all the virtue signalers in Parliament House in uh, Sydney decided to put up an Aboriginal flag. And the Aboriginal flag gets equal billing to the Australian flag. Why? I got nothing against Indigenous Australians, especially Indigenous Australians that I communicate with frequently. But why would you have an Australian flag next to an Aboriginal flag and that is our country? No. What about all the other 195 minority groups? The same thing occurs at prime ministerial press conferences in Australia and all the other events. You've got to have an Aboriginal flag. I'm sorry. It's woke and it's divisive. It divides based on colour. It's racist. And because governments and corporations and so many sporting bodies now they swallow the Kool-Aid, they swallow this public, you know, or politically correct Kool-Aid, and they think that if you overemphasise support for the minority group, everyone will see that you are virtuous, that you are morally on the right side. It's just a pathetic attempt to virtue signal at a time when people of all races need to be respected, all colours. Everyone is equal under the country, under the flag, under its anthem. I don't get it. And the public, I think, has had a gutful. I've been reading some of the comments to Megyn Kelly's um, conversation about having a black anthem, and I've got to tell you, there are more people on her side than against hers, her as well. Um, yes, so show support for minority groups, but why do we have to go overboard, as I said at the beginning? As, and last night, the so-called Black Anthem, I've got to say, shared top billing with the Star Spangled Banner, just as the Aboriginal flag on the Sydney Harbour Bridge shares top billing with the Australian flag. And to me, that is so wrong. This is TNT. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably in terms of conflicts. Uh, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured in the whole of the Second World War. And that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming fast and furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. The Irish government is proposing a law known as the Hate Speech Bill that threatens free speech. This law could have dire consequences for our democracy. Next week, next month, next month, and then on to the next week. This law will have uncertain effects on artistic and musical expression. Please support us. 
who could stifle the activity of public campaigning on political and civil issues and also curtail speech relating to topics about religion, ethnicity, sex and gender. You could even be jailed for possessing documents, cartoons or memes on your devices, even if you never read them or intended on sharing them. Mere possession could make you a criminal under this law. Help stop this law. Visit www.freespeechireland.ie forward slash take action to bin the hate speech bill. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, in an unusual session held on Super Bowl Sunday, that is unusual on its own, the US Senate voted to move forward a substantial $95 billion aid package that will support Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan with no southern border security provisions at all. On Monday morning, Senator J.D. Vance, a longtime Trump supporter, posted a stunning report on X. He stated, buried in the bill's text is an impeachment time bomb for the next Trump presidency if he tries to stop funding the war in Ukraine. He emphasised we must vote against this disastrous bill. Well, my next guest will discuss this and a whole heap more. Corinne Clifford is a highly accomplished and very versatile freelance journalist based in Washington, D.C. She's pioneered the field of video journalism known as Active IRT in real time, focusing on capturing real events as they unfold live and without any editing. Now, Corinne's innovative approach has garnered international attention, and she previously created a YouTube channel with over one million subscribers. Corinne Clifford, welcome back to TNT. I'm so grateful to be here, Chris. Thank you for your time. Senator Vance says, let me quote this, this new Ukraine bill tries to make it illegal for Trump to do what he is promising on the campaign trail. Now, the bill only exists because of anti-Trump Republicans, right? Explain this to our viewers and explain why it's a trap for Donald Trump. I mean, there is a war going on in the United States of America between the rhino Republicans and the people who support President Donald Trump. And it's becoming more and more intensified as the 2024 election cycle starts. So this is just a sample of what's going on in the United States of America. The Senate working on Super Bowl Sunday has never happened in our history. So it was so intriguing to me because I do love Senator J.D. Vance. I do love his staff. They're incredible people. And they do support President Donald Trump. And it's becoming really clear that the people who support President Donald Trump are different than the rhino Republicans. Obviously, completely opposite than the Democrats. We are going into very serious times in the United States of America that we really haven't experienced since our own civil war. And that's what the world needs to know. America is in duress and we are unstable. And that's what I'm documenting in Washington, D.C. The federal government is making choices, doing things, putting things into bills like we're seeing uh, in Senate that's going to go to the House of Representatives. It goes through Senate first and then it goes to the House. Uh, that aren't even uh, constitutional or ethical, a president has the right to do what a president wants to do. So if Trump's the president, yes, he has the right to override this. And if you've got a public that in the majority do not want to fund Ukraine again, and I've got to say, all the latest polls are suggesting exactly that, how dare anyone 
in the house, turn around and try and lay a trap so you can't unwind that? The traps are all over the Senate with the rhino Republicans who do not place America first. And they really honestly are all over the House of Representatives with congressmen who don't place America first. And that's our problem in America. We've been helping all the other countries. We've been worried about everyone else. We placed Israel many times before America first. It's time for us in the United States of America to place America first. And that's what you're really seeing. President Donald Trump does promise to place America first. And that's why there's a division going on in the United States. Okay, on Monday, Judge Scott McAfee, who presides over Donald Trump's racketeer influence and corrupt organisations case, says Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis may be disqualified from the case. Let's have a listen first. Specifically looking at Defendant Roman's motion, it alleges a personal relationship that resulted in a financial benefit to the district attorney. And that is no longer a matter of complete speculation. The state has admitted a relationship existed. And so what remains to be proven is the existence and extent of any financial benefit, again, if there, is, if there even was one. So because I think it's possible that the facts alleged by uh, the defendant could result in disqualification, I think an evidentiary hearing must occur to establish the record on those core allegations. Now, we have been discussing this leading up to Monday, but how likely is it that she'll be disqualified? I think the chances are very short, very long now, uh, and I think she is gone. And where the, would that leave the case, the trial, the charges against the accused? Now, listen, this is happening in the state of Georgia. So the rules and laws are for Georgia. The case will continue with or without Fannie Willis, but it would be the best uh, victory for President Donald Trump if Fannie Willis was taken off this case, because that's just a little victory and a huge battle, uh, proving that the judges are biased. The judges are any judge in the United States of America who uses personal funds for their personal benefit, that's considered treason in our country. And so just having her taken off the case would not even be enough to real American patriots. People who place America first would want to see Fannie Willis tried for treason, Chris. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm sure things will eventuate. The other thing that was interesting to hear from him um and I was paying attention from Judge Scott McAfee, is the fact that they're trying to determine how much of an advantage she made out of the transaction. Well, in a court of law, it doesn't matter whether she's made, you know, a dime or she's made $100,000. If there's intent um, to, to take, to, to, to create that trade, uh, to involve herself in that kind of activity, she can be disqualified whether she makes a buck or anything. And that is very important because she is biased yeah. and she is out for herself and she is not following the U.S. Constitution, let alone the Constitution of the state of Georgia. And that's what I'm witnessing with these federal court judges. They are not following the U.S. Constitution. And that's what our whole country in the United States was built upon, our Constitution. Yeah. And it's not being respected by the federal court judges. So this would be a small victory and a major battle that we have for the next year until the 2024 election cycle. And it would delay the trial sufficiently, I would have thought, to put it past November. 
We can all pray that that happens, but you never know. It's the state of Georgia. We don't know what the DOJ, the Department of Justice in the United States of America, yep. that is currently controlled by the Biden administration. We don't know what they're going to throw because look how many times President Donald Trump has been thrown up curveballs and lawsuits. I mean, 84 million plus dollars in the state of New York for a woman that is not attractive at all is shocking. I want, to talk, shocking. I want to talk about Trump again. Trump won the Nevada Republican caucus by a very large margin last week, obtaining 99% of the vote, running only against long-shot business person and pastor Ryan Binkley. Where do you see the presidential campaign headed from here, Corinne? I mean, Trump's going to win on every level, but this is something that people need to know. I've spent a lot of time in Nevada in the last year, 2023, and the bottom line is that the Trump Republicans in Nevada were getting bullied and pushed around and threatened with legal action by the Rhino Republicans in the state of Nevada. The Rhino Republicans actually were trying to get Trump taken off the whole entire ballot. So the Trump Republicans in Nevada have really stood up and proved that President Donald Trump is going to win every state in yeah, this Republican sector. Yes. And the fact that, you know, my my tweets on these things uh, have gone viral. You know, I have insider information about how much the Trump Republicans have been pushed around by the Rhino Republicans. It's shocking. Okay, I've got to take a quick break. We'll come back and talk more, including um, your dealings in Washington, D.C. in the last few days. Um, a little bit unsavoury, and you've been unable to access some of these political prisoners from January the 6th. We'll talk about that in just a second. Let's go to the newsroom. This is TNT. Now, TNT Radio News. Uh-oh. Scandal. Huge news. This is very important. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris says she's ready to replace Joe Biden if necessary, as concerns grow over his ability to run the country. U.S. Defence Chief Lloyd Austin's been admitted into intensive care for the second time in as many months following his cancer surgery in December. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk has denied supplying his Starlink internet service to Russian troops. And Syria says it's ready to go to war with Israel over its occupation of Golan Heights. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Okay, just uh, some information just through on what's occurring in Victoria in Australia. And um, we talked quite often about energy shortages and how uh, very small natural disasters can cause the downfall of one or maybe two uh, energy generation substations and all of a sudden you've got no power. Because in Australia, we've demonised coal, we've demonised gas, we think that renewables will give us baseload power and they don't. And when you've got very few limited coal-fired power stations remaining, when one goes down, you're in all sorts of trouble. Well, there are major fires breaking out in Victoria. That's not to say it's a statewide fire emergency, but there are various districts that have got fire problems at the moment. And from what I have received from Matt in Melbourne, 
there are power shortages in Victoria. Apparently, Loy Yang too. Loy Yang is a uh, coal-fired power station is offline, and Victoria as an energy shortage right now. I've just looked at the Emo site, and there's some interesting figures. There's a spot price for power that goes up or down depending on supply. Well, in Victoria, it's $16,660, the spot price for power right now. Elsewhere in Australia, between $50 and $100. It does not take much for consumers to be whacked significantly because one power station is lost in that state. These are the prophecies that we have shared on this program quite often about what happens when you put all your eggs in a renewable basket. Okay, I digress. Let's get back to Corinne Clifford. Last Friday, Corinne, you went to the Washington DC jail to interview January 6 political prisoners. You were denied access. Why do you think that was the case? I mean, obviously it's the case because I'm a journalist, but they denied me access because they said that I was wearing the wrong type of pants, which is what? which is just shocking. It's shocking. What type of pants so were you shocking. wearing? Short pants or something? No, I was wearing jeans. I was wearing the same thing I always wear to the Washington D.C. jail. What's wrong with a pair I of wear jeans? The same you've got thing. to wear. You've got to wear tucks and a a full formal attire, do you? Exactly. Exactly. They were trying to tell me they were tights. And I was sitting for 10, 20 minutes fighting with oh, the guards saying, these are, these are, these are blue jeans. It was ridiculous. Tight and it's jeans. embarrassing. Yes. It's because of the jeans. Uh, they said they were tights. And so they had to look at my body oh. and, and it was disgusting. Oh, but the they bottom line they is couldn't that control themselves. It, it, I mean, that's horrific to even think about. But the bottom line is that it was beyond corrupt. Um, I was wearing blue jeans. Those are the only blue jeans I, I own. I've worn them the same time uh, to the Washington, D.C. jail. They're just harassing me per usual, which is what's going on at that Washington, D.C. jail. Uh, people are getting thrown into solitary confinement for no reason. Then other prisoners are being taken into vehicles and driven to different locations back and forth. Um, if you do anything they don't like, no one uh, has any, no one disciplines the jail. You know, Congress in the United States of America does control the D.C. jail. They do control Washington, D.C. If the Rhino Republicans and the Trump Republicans would get on the same team and be in alignment, they could take back control of Washington, D.C. And they could change the mayor and they could make any decision they want with the judges. Congress does have the power. And the sad thing is when I'm in Congress interviewing the congressmen that I interview, many of them don't even understand that they have the power. So a lot of these people in Congress, the United wow. States of America, are uneducated, and it's shocking to even understand how they got into their position of being in Congress. So so what they wanted you to do was what? Go back to a jean shop and buy a pair that was two sizes too big, a daggy pair of uh, blue jeans to wear into the jail, and maybe you would have been let in. It was just an excuse, right? Yes, it was just an excuse to keep me out because not just not just there's not just January 6 political prisoners in that jail there are now pro life activists so the political prisoner situation in the United States of America has never been so out of control we're at a crisis point now so, so you you're hearing your sources are telling you that these people have been put into consolidated uh, sorry solitary confinement and other um areas that probably the jail never thought would get out it would never be known 
The jailers can do whatever they want to you in the Washington, D.C. jail. The jailers can spray things in your face. They can put you in the hole, which is solitary confinement. They can put you in a room by yourself for weeks and days. There's no disciplinary actions there. No one has to be held accountable. And okay. so it's been a huge problem. Wow. All right. You spoke about pro-life activists um, from your recent interviews with these activists. Do you see a shift in the Biden administration on the issue? Like uh, pro-life activist Jonathan Darnell is now in jail after being convicted last year. Can you tell us more about his case? Yeah, so what's happening, and this is the biggest, uh, most censored news in the United States of America at this time, American Christian pro-life activists with zero criminal history are being charged with conspiracy. So let's say you want to go with a group and, you know, protest at an abortion clinic. Uh, the federal government is considering that conspiracy to protest at an abortion clinic. And so it's usually only one year for the FACE Act in the United States of America, but now they're tacking on 10 years for conspiracy and they get the different people in your group to turn against you. And so that's happening right now in Washington, D.C. There are seven American patriots who are Christian facing 11 years. They've been thrown into jail uh, since August in the jail just outside D.C. in Alexandria, Virginia. Jonathan Darnell is one of them, and they're sitting there until they get sentenced in May. That doesn't happen in the United States of America. In America, you have the right to actually wait and collect mm. your life together for your sentencing. Usually no one is thrown from the courtroom into the jail. So this is very serious and it's happening in the state of Michigan and it's happening in the state of Tennessee. So it's becoming a really big problem because when you follow what the FBI is doing, and I've talked to a lot of sheriffs in the last week because there was a sheriff's convention in Washington, DC. Uh, the FBI is admitting that they are targeting white Christian all Americans who believe in the U.S. Constitution. So there seems to be a concerted effort to get rid of our U.S. Constitution, Chris. Mm. You better believe it. And yet the Biden administration and Biden himself has the temerity to campaign at the beginning of this year, the first campaign event and campaign on democracy being preserved. Give me a break. Now, we live in a democratic republic, so Biden doesn't even know what he's talking about. The powers that be, the deep state, the Biden administration, the CIA, that's what I love the most about the interview with Putin and Tucker Carlson. Putin straight out says, it's your own CIA causing you problems in the United States of America. And I love that because that's the block I always hit. I always hit the block that it ends up being the CIA who's making these high-level decisions. The CIA has no authority to do that. And Chris, the FBI has no authority to arrest people in the United States of America. So we have a constitutional crisis in the United States of America. It's not going to be handled on the federal level unless President Donald Trump goes back into the White House. Otherwise, it will have to be handled by the sheriffs in yep. the different counties yep. around let's America. Let's talk about the White House. I want to go on quickly to another story. Vice President Kamala Harris was asked Tuesday if she was ready for the White House. She said that she already was. I am ready to serve, she added. How much of an embarrassment is she, though, to the White House? And how much of an embarrassment would she be if she was president of the United States, for heaven's sake? Now, listen, Kamala Harris, we cannot even confirm that she's a real American citizen. There are many uh, people who believe that she wasn't legally born in the United States of America, just like Obama. So we have a very big problem because Kamala Harris can barely finish a sentence. 
and she is embarrassing in public. But listen, this is insider information that I've personally witnessed in Washington, D.C. Kamala Harris's husband, Doug Emhoff, is in charge. He's always at the events. He's always behind the scenes. I've caught him in the motorcades. I've caught him at all the different uh, public uh, ceremonies. It's Doug Emhoff. And Doug Emhoff is a ruthless lawyer from Los Angeles, where I'm from. And he knows what he's doing. And his mind is like a snake. So the real power behind Kamala Harris is her husband, Doug Emhoff. And so that's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the fact that they're propping up Kamala Harris, but the real power is her husband, Doug. And that's Uh, unethical. That's interesting. That is very interesting. All right. Homeland um, uh, Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, um, he was almost impeached, but he escaped uh, as Majority Leader Steve Scalise returns to the Capitol following cancer treatment. This second try for impeachment could be successful, right? Yes, 100%. You know, I uh, was talking to Marjorie Taylor Greene right after this vote, and she was really upset and devastated because she has worked so hard. You know, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene really stands up for America first, which is our clear agenda now. We have to worry about America first. Um, And this week... Tomorrow, it should be taken on a revote. We just have to make sure Scalise is suffering from cancer. He's recovering from cancer treatments. He will be the key vote. But there's always a curveball. So I don't like to predict the future. But it should be finalized this week. But honestly, Chris, the truth is that if we impeach the Homeland Security Secretary, no one cares. They're just going to have a different situation, another curveball they throw at us. But it would be a minor victory. Yeah. The real victory for America First would be to make sure that the 2024 elections, there's no election corruption. And that's my biggest concern is election corruption in the United States of America, because I talk to patriots and American citizens across the country, and there really have not been major changes to secure our elections. So we have a problem. Yeah, I know it would only be a minor victory. Let me pick you up there. I think it would be a significant minor victory in that it ensures that the uh, American people are reminded of how much of a parlous state the policy for border control is in at the moment. And, and that is important because I think this is one of the drivers for November. This is one of the issues that could decide the election. Yes, but what people really need to know is the governors are in control of their states. So the governor of Texas, the governor of New Mexico, the governor of California, the governor of Arizona could make the decisions that need to be made to end the border crisis. Yeah. The real problem in America is the cartel. The FBI is not fighting the cartels anymore. And that's the real secret problem going on at the borders. The FBI has been told to withdraw. Usually the FBI is supposed to be fighting the cartels at our borders. Now they're fighting Christian American patriots who stand up for the U.S. Constitution. And that's the problem. Our current DOJ is corrupt in the United States of America. That's the Department of Justice is corrupt. Are you going to have another try maybe wearing something different in the Washington, D.C. jail and speak with those January 6 prisoners? I mean, can you imagine this? I have to go to a local uh, department store and say, I need to go to the D.C. jail. I need this kind of flax. I mean, that's embarrassing and humiliating. It's almost worth doing to make a point to them, though, isn't it? 
Yes, and they will have to let me back in because I do have a presence in Washington, D.C., and I know who to contact if they deny me again because that is unethical. And there are pro-life activists, there's January 6th political prisoners, and there will be people in there who need me, especially because they don't let you make phone calls, they block you on every level, and they try to silence you. When you actually get sentenced in the United States of America, they try to silence you. And that's really unheard of. We have a situation that we've never experienced since the Civil War right now, which mm. is our political prisoner uh, crisis. Yep. And that's what I'm documenting. You are tireless. You get back into that jail and make the point. Thank you so much for your time. Keep at it. We'll talk soon. God bless you. Peace. Thank you. Good on you. Thank you very much for that. Corinne Clifford. Uh, someone who won't take no for an answer, even if she is told that she wears tight jeans and tight jeans are not permitted inside the jail because there would be a riot, an absolute riot, if Corinne walked in there. What a lame, lame excuse that is because they wouldn't want anything that the January 6 prisoners had to say being broadcast into public media. That's what it's about. It's a political, no, you can't go in decision, got nothing to do with a pair of jeans no matter how tight they might be. Corinne Clifford from Washington, D.C. I've got to take a break. Thank you so much for listening in to Corinne. But some of what she said about getting into Washington, D.C., I will podcast. Um, I, I can't resist podcasting what she had to say about what they said was the reason for not being gained entry to the prison. Like, seriously. They've got to be embarrassed. It's got to be out there, and I'll make sure that we spread it on our podcast. And uh, if you can spread the word too, by all means, you do that. Let's take a break and be back with your calls, hopefully, and uh, some other interesting news which is going on right around the world. This is TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week when Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about the position of Joe Biden when it comes to late-term abortions, she had the phony rhetoric ready to go. What I will say is majority of Americans, majority of Americans wants to see their rights protected, wants to see women have their rights protected, wants to be able to, wants, want women to be able to make those deeply, deeply personal decisions on their bodies, on their own, not politicians. That's what majority of Americans want to see. And so the president's going to stand with majority of Americans on this issue. Do those unborn babies have any rights then? I'm not going to get into that specific. I'm not going to get into that question. Rights for unborn babies? What are you, mad? <laughs> but let's take a look at how Americans really feel about the issue of abortion. This is from Gallup, May of last year. Only 34% of Americans believe abortion should be legal under all circumstances. 34%. A majority, 64%, say limited circumstances or not at all. And in the same poll, only 22% of Americans believe third trimester abortion should be legal at all. It just shows that Karine Jean-Pierre and her leftist buddies are a bunch of liars. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. see it coming.
It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. You may not even know you have it, but you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand. With early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Now, I do want to update you on something that you probably have been following in the last few hours, which is the fact that an innocent bystander in a Bronx subway has been killed after a, uh, a shooter lit fire. Let me just get you the very latest for you, straight from the New York Post. An apparent innocent bystander was killed and at least five others, including two teenagers, were injured when gunfire erupted on a subway train as it pulled into a Bronx station during rush hour Monday afternoon. According to enforcement sources, at least 10 shots were fired at the Mount Eden Avenue station. Imagine waiting on that station for your, you know, your train and all of a sudden shots are fired. Not one, not two, which might distract you, but 10. Uh, then there was a fight breakout between two groups of teenagers um, aboard a northbound four train at around 4.40 p.m., creating total pandemonium, according to some of the witnesses who spoke to reporters at the New York Post. A 35-year-old man was killed after he was shot in the chest. Uh, that's been confirmed by New York police. His identity was not released pending family notification, but he didn't appear to be an intended target complete bystander. Um, according to NYPD First Deputy Commissioner Tanya Kinsella, today another senseless act of violence occurred on our transit system. We have innocent victims and we want New Yorkers to know that we will get you whoever was responsible for this. Now, in terms of injuries, a 14-year-old girl, a 15-year-old boy, a 29-year-old woman and two men aged 71 and 28 respectively, were also shot. The five surviving victims were hospitalised and they're in stable condition. That is a miraculous outcome. Truly miraculous. Michael Kemper from the Transit Authority says, we don't believe this was a random shooting. We don't believe this was just an individual shooting indiscriminately into a train. We believe this shooting all stemmed from a dispute between two groups that started on the train. As the train pulled into the Bronx station and the doors opened, at least one individual pulled a gun and started shooting, according to Kemper. While horrified strap hangers began to flee, the gunfire spilled onto the platform. The victims included, let me get you that information now on the other page, members of the feuding groups and innocent bystanders. It wasn't immediately clear what sparked the altercation. So there you go. That's the very latest uh, from sources that have been uh, feeding the New York Post that information. Um, let me also tell you an amazing story about an egg. I thought this was fascinating when I saw it today. I think I thought it was more fascinating this morning as I, than I do now. But anyway, um, this is this is from CNN. Researchers have cracked one of the mysteries hidden within a Roman egg, discovering that it still contains its liquid almost two millennia after it was first laid. 
stop this. The egg was discovered in 2010 alongside three others in Aylesbury, England, about 80 kilometres during an excavation conducted by charity Oxford Archaeology. Now, Douglas Russell, who's a senior curator of the National Museum, said, this is the oldest unintentionally preserved avian egg I have ever seen. That makes it fascinating, he said. Pottery and other finds uncovered alongside the egg were dated to the late 3rd century AD. So let's just stop for a second. A 3rd century AD egg popped out, untouched, unbroken, and the liquid inside stays there. Now, there is something about Mother Nature that you've got to admire. There is something that you've got to respect about Mother Nature. That is just extraordinary. Um, and I I picked it up this morning and I thought to myself, I've got to tell you about that. Um, I have never, ever seen something like this before. He said it's amazing. It looks so modern. It looked brand new, brand new. Um, after using artificial intelligence to uncover the first word to be written from an unopened scroll, a team of researchers has revealed several nearly complete passages from an ancient text given insight into philosophy from almost 2,000 years ago. This was an add-on to the story. So many amazing finds from so far back of things that are intact. That's my point. Just amazing. When you think about things that we have today that degrade, that erode, um, that basically, you know, don't exist after a couple of years, to, to think that you could open an egg and still have the liquid inside the egg from that long ago, um, I just find absolutely amazing. Now, Suella Braverman is one of my heroes. Um, as you may know, she was the Home Secretary that was uh, dismissed from her role by Rishi Sunak because she dared to question Rishi Sunak's immigration policy, although the rest of the country was doing exactly that. Anyway, Suella Braverman is not afraid to call a spade a dirty big shovel. And she has made some comments about the guilt white people feel in modern society about being white. And this is in the UK Telegraph. White people must not be made to feel guilty for being white, Suella Braverman has said amid a row over claims that the countryside is racist in the UK. In an article for the UK Telegraph, the former Home Secretary says that suggesting the countryside is not welcoming to ethnic minorities because it's predominantly a white environment is wrong, she says. It's dangerous and disempowering. Her comments come after a group of wildlife charities, including the National Trust, the RSPCA and the World Wildlife Fund, said that the British countryside was a racist and colonial space where people of colour were often framed as out of place. If you are listening from the UK, can you please tell me the truth here? Can you please tell me whether the countryside of the UK is actually really racist? I doubt whether that's the case. I doubt whether all of a sudden those in the countryside of the UK have not grown up with the rest of us. I'm sure they have. And I'm sure that, you know, fading racist attitudes from 100 years ago no longer exist. Maybe there are pockets of racists that exist in countrysides that are, are very elderly people who can't get certain things out of their mind. I don't know. But I don't know any one of them 
The Telegraph revealed that a report by Wildlife and Countryside Link, a charity umbrella group, said that a perception that green spaces were dominated by white people can prevent people from ethnic minority backgrounds from using them. But this is what Suella Braverman says. She is brilliant. I would like to see Suella Braverman run the country. She says, this view is not just wrong, it's dangerous. We need to stop making white people feel guilty for being white. You think about that for a second. How many times in the li- in your life have you been made as a white person to feel guilty about the colonial past of the country, about other white people being racist? You're somehow being thrown into the same box. It's wrong. We shouldn't have to feel guilty about what our colonial forefathers did in creating primitive environments and making them incredibly productive and making them and turning them into first world countries. That should not be something we should be guilty of. We weren't there. She adds, it's wholly disempowering for ethnic minorities to be judged by skin colour rather than by character. So true, isn't it? So true, but people are so happy to generalise if they have one example that they pick on. Wildlife and Countryside Link, which has 80 member organisations, made the claim last week in evidence provided to Parliament on racism and its influence on the natural world. How dare they? How dare they? And bear in mind, Suella Braverman is uh, a woman whose parents are of Indian origin, came to Britain in the 1960s. Um, She would have been privy to holidays in the countryside. As a matter of fact, this story down the bottom of the story indicates that she went on holidays with her parents. This is predominantly an Indian family going into the countryside in the 70s. Uh, She went on regular holidays camping in the British countryside. She said she had not once experienced hostility. On the rare occasion she had faced racism, it was in urban rather than rural settings. You tell me, if you're listening from the UK, does Suella Braverman make some sense there? Um, Is she fighting the good fight? Because at the end of the day, how dare they lump people, uh, no matter what they find in the countryside or urban UK, how dare they lump people as a group and say, well, people in the countryside must be racist? How dare they? There's Suella Braverman as an Indian family going along in the 70s to the countryside, not experiencing then that's 50 years ago. I think people in uh, country UK should uh, pipe up and have their say. Now, just very quickly before we get to news, um, San Francisco, after last week's Vision Pro release, Apple speculators are on the hunt for the next big thing. And you know what the next big thing is from Apple? Foldable iPhone. Now, you know that Samsung went down the route of foldables and it worked out quite well for them. But iPhone haven't made the plunge. Rumoured foldable versions of the iPhone have had their share of setbacks due to issues around durability and screen crease. One of the great, th- one of the things about durability is that the actual folding of the phone, you fold the screen in half and fold it out so you have a double screen, is the fact that those hinges wear, they're not durable. Uh, Rumoured foldable versions of the iPhone um, are set to hit the market maybe as early as the end of the year. We'll see. The foldable iPhone. If you're an iPhone fan, maybe you need to get into line for that. Don't sell your phone. Don't buy a new one just yet. 
until you see the foldables. I've got to take a break. We're going to go to news, and then after news, we're going to catch up with um, two terrific people, Jason Morrison and Senator Holly Hughes, right here on TNT.